I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Got a text I wanted to read to you. It reads... Some of my best friends are of other political persuasions. We compromise all the time. Is that the case for you? 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. As I was talking about the national anthem and the suggestion from one commentator in California writing for the L.A. Times, I pointed out that while I disagree wholeheartedly with that position, later on in the article, he did a masterful breakdown of the of the musical talents of Bill Withers. And just because I am uh, very likely to be on the opposite end of my political attitudes uh, compared to the author of that commentary piece, I very much appreciated uh, what he had to say about Bill Withers. And I can imagine the two of us uh, sitting down. I've been a Bill Withers fan for a long time. In fact, I mentioned uh, the song Grandma hands in the last segment uh, through the commercial break I was humming it to myself and uh, I imagine it'll be stuck in my head here for the next three or four days anyway guns we're talking about guns now uh, turns out that there is an atmosphere in the United States right now which has uh, triggered so to speak uh, the purchase of nearly three million more guns there has been a spike in firearm sales which does not follow historic trends necessarily. What do I mean? In, in the United States, we have seen historically that in the wake of school shootings and mass shootings and events which prompt politicians to talk about enhancing firearms regulations, that there is a run on the gun stores. For example, let's look back uh, January of 2013. That was when the, the tragedy uh, took place at Sandy Hook Elementary. Well, in the weeks following, there were a million additional gun sales in the United States. The Brookings Institute, they have a, a, an economic studies branch, and what they do is they, uh, they track certain economic behavior, and they are able to make predictions uh, and baselines uh, so to speak, of, of how many guns are expected to be purchased at any given time. And when events happen and those numbers shift, you're able to see, uh, you know, what type of jump from the predicted takes place. And so uh, it was a jump of one million firearms purchases, uh, which were made after the Sandy Hook. Similar story after San Bernardino. Uh, Parkland was an additional half million. Now, Something different is happening right now. Something different is happening even as we speak. And I'll break it down uh, even more 
you know, more granular sense. Uh, broadly, we're up millions of guns. Millions of millions of guns are, are being purchased right now. But let's look at it uh, cl more closely. So you remember I described that baseline. There's an average number of guns purchased at any number or at any given time. On March 13th, President Trump declared a national emergency in association with the coronavirus. And you know what happened? Almost immediately, gun sales jumped. Gun sales jumped dramatically. And they, a few days later, they uh, fell off a little bit and returned to average. Uh, and, and then, uh, for, for whatever reason, after Easter Sunday, there was a, another uh, spike in gun purchases, uh, inexplicable, and it seems like it's maybe just an anomaly. But then, a few days after the death of George Floyd, the Minneapolis police station was burned down. Almost immediately afterwards, there was a nationwide jump in gun sales. On the 1st of June, uh, there were protests in Lafayette Square in Washington, D.C. President Trump and others uh, instructed law enforcement officials to clear out that square, and they uh, made their way over there to St. John's Church. It was just after that there was another spike. So I am no statistician. I am not necessarily one who knows how to, uh, you know, most appropriately analyze this information, uh, but I am able to notice it, and I am able to look at my own uh, behavior and my own reactions to things and wonder what this is about. And I wonder if it has to do uh, with fear. I wonder if it has to do uh, with uncertainty. There's another reality about these gun numbers. I mentioned uh, the spikes in firearms purchases which followed Sandy Hook and San Bernardino and Parkland. Well, the increase in purchases made at those times were made by individuals who already had firearms. The nervousness there was that regulations would come in and restrict the, further, the, the, the future ability uh, to purchase firearms. And so, so many people flocked to their gun shops or got online and purchased however uh, they will. And for the most part, they were purchasing uh, long rifles, semi-automatic AR-15 uh, rifles. Because the fear is that, oh my gosh, things like this often uh, uh, lead to overreactions uh, by, by gun control groups and politicians who are of the mind to restrict firearm usage and purchase. And so the natural reaction there is to, uh, you know, to get your hands on as much as possible. But now that's not, what ha that's not what's happening today. Two stark differences between the spike in purchases which are happening now in the midst of the coronavirus and what has happened in the past as those have been, become fearful of firearms regulation. Those two differences, number one, it's not rifles that individuals are buying. It's handguns. Handguns are being purchased at a higher rate, really, than at any time in history. And number two, it is not existing firearms owners who are making the bulk uh, of these purchases. The spike is coming, for the most part, from first-time gun owners. 
First-time gun owners are saying to themselves, they're looking around, they see uh, the world around them, and they say, you know what, uh, I have been, uh, for example, I've read accounts of, uh, I've been a Democrat my whole life, I am liberally minded, I don't think guns are, are needed in the hands of everyday citizens. Yeah, until today, until now. When the fear that I feel uh, is to such a level that I need to uh, protect myself, and this is the tool I choose to do so with. And so there is a change, there's a shift. And I wonder if you're part of that. Have you, as all of these changes to the way we live life have come about, uh, there's the coronavirus, of course. There are the demonstrations which are taking place around the country. Are you one of these three million some odd individuals who have purchased a firearm? Many of you for the first time? I'd like to hear from you. If that is the case, uh, I'd love to hear from you. You don't need to share your name or anything like that, but just call in, uh, leave me a voicemail, explain uh, w what you've done, what your attitude is. If you have been moved to purchase a firearm for the first time in your life, the number is 801 575 7668. 801 575 7668. I'd love to hear from you. This is a fascinating occurrence. We have seen repeatedly uh, in history, uh, you know, pretty understandable r explanations for these spikes. Uh, but what we are seeing today is different. What we're seeing today is uh, dramatically, dramatically different. And I'd like to know what you think. 575-7668-801-575-7668. In a moment, we're going to take a break. And when we come back... Uh, we're going to step away from guns, we're going to step away from the national anthem, and what we're going to look at are some very, very encouraging reports on the vaccine front. There is a company which is moving along quite rapidly through the steps, uh, through the trial phases, to ultimately get us in the realm where we have a vaccine that can hopefully someday be not only effective, uh, but able to be distributed. I'm going to share with you the comments by Dr. Fauci and others next. Resource.